from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome to this Wednesday edition of Washington Watch. We're broadcasting today and tomorrow from the International Religious Freedom Summit here in Washington, D.C. In the absence of an administration that will prioritize religious freedom internationally, a broad coalition of non-governmental organizations like the Family Research Council and others are filling that void. Former Ambassador Large for Religious Freedom, Sam Brownback, who is uh, one of the key organizers of the summit, opened the general session this morning with this. Religious freedom for everybody, everywhere, all the time. That's what we're about. That's what we're pursuing. That's what we're going to get done together. Ambassador Brownback will join me here in just a moment. We'll also take a look at one of the most dangerous places in the world to be a Christian. Bishop Jude Aragudade and FRC Senior Fellow for International Religious Freedom, Leela Gilbert, will join me for that discussion a little bit later. The Biden administration probably doesn't have time to focus on religious freedom because they're busier with other priorities. Friday's Supreme Court decision was despicable, but it was not unpredictable. HHS has been preparing for this for some time. Javier Becerra, Secretary of the Department of Health and Human Services. So what does the Biden administration have planned? We're going to talk about that a little bit later. And speaking of the Supreme Court's decision that ended America's Holocaust of the unborn, this Sunday evening, the Family Research Council is partnering with Alliance Defending Freedom for a nationwide live stream event celebrating life. Mike Ferris, President and Chief Counsel for ADF, joins me a little bit later in this edition of Washington Watch. And here was the spokeswoman for the Democratic Party last night on Stephen Colbert. I believe that President Biden should entertain expansion of the Supreme Court. I believe that I believe that he should forcefully come out in ending the filibuster of the United States Senate. I believe that he should call on Congress to repeal the Hyde Amendment. Was New York Congresswoman Alexandria Casio Cortez? I, I, I know it is hard to take her serious, but she is the mouthpiece for the left, and she is telling the nation what the next Jacobins plan on doing. The good news is that despite the claims by the left that the court is re- that the court's returning to the Constitution would energize the left, yesterday's election results tell a different story. We'll get a rundown on Tuesday's primary election results from FRC Action's Rick Tyler. The website, TonyPerkins.com, lots of resources there for you. And by the way, if you'd like to keep up with what's happening here at the National Freedom Summit, you can track it on the Washington Stand, WashingtonStand.com. Several articles coming out on events here today. Our word for today, coming from our stand on the word Bible reading plan, comes from First Chronicles chapter 22, verse 13. Then you will prosper if you take care to fulfill the statutes and judgments which the Lord charged Moses concerning Israel. Be strong and of good courage, and do not fear nor be dismayed. You know what? It takes courage to obey God, but he prospers those who do. Watch, I believe, as pro-life states prosper in the days ahead for aligning with truth as abortion and racing states continue in their chaos and decline. To join us in this journey through the Bible, go to frc.org. By the way, I invite you to join me each morning, Monday through Friday, for a short devotional 
based upon the Bible reading plan. You can find that at TonyPerkins.com or on my Facebook page. By the way, don't miss your opportunity to partner with FRC in uh, encouraging Christians to pray, vote, and stand for truth. We're coming up at the end of our fiscal year, and we've got folks standing by. If you'd like to partner with us, they'll take your call, 800-225-4008. That's 800-225-4008, or visit TonyPerkins.com. With the support of more than 40 diverse partners and uh, different organizations, including the Family Research Council, the IRF Summit 2022 has gathered about 1,000 international religious freedom advocates and activists from around the world this week. The second annual summit has been convened by former U.S. Ambassador at Large for religious, International Religious Freedom, Sam Brownback and Dr. Katrina Lantos-Sweat, uh, president of the Lantos Foundation for Human Rights and Justice. Well, here with me to talk about the summit is Ambassador Brownback. Uh, Sam, welcome back to the program. Well, you you helped uh, the former Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, start the first summit as you were there at the State Department. This was something that happened in the Trump administration. It, it, it got traction in those first uh, couple of years. And you've uh, you've taken that and you've continued to run them. Well, I have because it's so needed. And even if the government won't do it, we just, uh, let's move it to the outside and let's have civil society do it. And what we found is that as we have done that, you, you get all these civil society groups. You said over 40. We actually have about 80 different groups from all over the world and every different religion because we all face the same problem. We're getting persecuted uh, for our faith. We're simply peacefully practicing our faith. And, we need, and we've got to stand up. We've got to stand together. We've got to fight. Now, this morning you had the president of Guatemala. And boy, are they feeling the pressure in Guatemala. Here's a man that's a very pro-life president. In fact, just recently declared Guatemala the pro-life country of Central America, Latin America. And then he gets all this pillage from the left, from the international left. Even from our own government here in the United States. He does. I met with him this morning, and he was telling me about the things that the U.S. government are accusing him of. I'm going... Why are we even messing around with that stuff? Why don't, if we want to work with Guatemala, let's work with them on things that are, we agree upon and that are needed. The childhood development, child education, good nutrition, trade, economy, security. Let's push back against China. Why are we pushing these extreme left-wing agendas? Especially, Ambassador, and you know this from working in this space, that when a country embraces religious freedom as a basic fundamental human right, other rights fall into place, as well as national security, economic development, social stability. I mean, it is it is really a linchpin for all of the other outcomes we work for. And the left really doesn't want to admit that. You know, it's it, this is a cornerstone human right. It's also the highest area, the highestly most abused human right in the world is religious freedom. 80% of the world lives in a place where you've got some sort of religious persecution. So you've got the most fundamental human right that is the most abused human right. And we need to more effectively stand up for it. So, Ambassador Bramett, what what is your hope? What is your hope for the summit? 
that grassroots movement that really catches on fire and that all the various religious communities around the world start standing up and fighting for their fundamental right, their fundamental God-given right to be able to peacefully practice their own faith. And if all the religious communities around the world really engage on this, the governments can't really effectively push back. The religions can push the governments to do the right thing that they ought to do anyway. After just one year, I mean, this is your second annual that you've done. Even after the first one, it had gotten traction with local groups meeting in various countries. And so this is catching on. We've got about, I think, oh, 40 religious freedom roundtables in various countries. The Guatemalans hosted at the presidential palace, a religious freedom roundtable there of all the various faith communities. So you're, you're, you're seeing more and more groups say that. Uh, it, it's just... It's one, but unfortunately, then you go to Nigeria and you had two priests killed this last week. You had two weeks ago, you had 41 people in a church gunned down in Nigeria. And you got China that's really beta testing the future of oppression with these high tech systems mixed in with a concentration camp. I mean, you got the high tech right. and the and the bad. Anything different this year? I mean, what, what have been the developments? What are we seeing on the horizon? Yeah, actually, we're seeing more media interest. It's been very helpful that the media is starting to click in that there is a lot of persecution. We're starting to get more traction in the broader foreign policy community because almost every genocide in the last 50 years has been of a religious minority. And we're, we're pointing that out, and they're starting to catch on. Yeah, you know, the Rohingya were the most recent one out of Burma. Well, this is a dominantly Muslim minority that's pushed out by a dominantly Buddhist majority. This is what happened. And then the Holocaust itself was Jews killed by the Germans. Speaking of that, uh, anti-Semitism has been on the rise globally, and even here in the United States. Was that a topic uh, covered here? We cover it. uh, But, you know, it's interesting. We've got the chief rabbi of Europe is going to speak here. But he doesn't want to speak about anti-Semitism. He wants to speak about how hard it is to practice Judaism today in modern Europe with the laws against kosher food uh, processing, with the laws against circumcision being proposed, with you can't wear your yarmulke anymore. He wants to talk about how hard it is to be a Jew. That's interesting because that's actually going to be part of our focus. We're doing a luncheon here tomorrow focused on the rise of authoritarianism in Western governments and what we're seeing here in the United States, Canada, we're going to have uh, the member of parliament from Finland, Tane Rosanen, is going to be here. And, and we're seeing these Western governments that are cracking down on religious practice. And you know, really the question is, how can we promote abroad what we won't protect here at home? It's really hard to do. I mean, that, that's why we've stood up this National Committee for Religious Freedom, is to fight for religious freedom here at home. And it's, it's unfortunately, it's coming. The politician you're talking about, a Finnish politician, 27 years in the parliament, medical doctor. Right. She posts Bible verses and is criminally prosecuted for it, for posting a Bible verse as hate speech. Right. And you want this is insane, guys. We, we, we've got to fight against it. Although, you had a good win this week. With I was going to say, you've got to be encouraged. You know, having been in the Senate, having been a governor, uh, you got to be encouraged by the, the recent wins we've had at the, at the Supreme Court, not only on um, Coach Kennedy, which was a major victory on Monday for, for prayer, uh, giving, you know, uh, free or giving balance to the establishment versus the free exercise clause. But then 
we had uh, religious schools last week in Maine, and of course, Roe v. Wade. Right. I, I mean, this has been a fantastic 10 days for the Supreme Court of the United States. Uh, I just so impressed. I, I asked and called for a long time for Roe v. Wade to be overturned, and but I honestly doubted if we could ever get here. And then Friday was most one of the most significant historical days of my lifetime that this carnage of abortion uh, is no longer a constitutional right, which it never was. It was also a great day for the rule of law. Yes. Because Roe v. Wade declaring this constitutional right is not in the Constitution. Right. So this was a great day for the rule of law. It's a great day for humanity. And a reminder that if we do not grow weary in well-doing, there is a day in which we will be. And and God moved it. I mean, I, I'm just, I, I, this was an amazing thing to me to happen. Now the work really begins. I think we need to start pushing things like calling for a reduction of 50% of African-American abortions yeah. in the country. We should, these children should get here. Uh, and I, I think we really need to step up. We absolutely do. More crisis pregnancy centers, more adoption, focus on adoption, which needs to really be overhauled. But I do think uh, we're getting a clear, clear contrast between the two ideologies that is that are dominating this country. Ambassador, always great to see you. Thanks so much for uh, stopping by and joining us on Washington Watch today. And thank you for FRC sponsoring this summit. It's really important. We really appreciate it. Always glad to partner with you. All right, folks, don't go away. On the other side of the break, we're going to be joined by ADF's president and chief counsel, Mike Ferris, talk about a special event celebrating the overturn of Roe, celebrating life this Sunday night. Don't go away. That's next. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us, and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that first by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldview's monthly newsletter, visit frc.org worldview.
Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose. Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us. Yesterday, Health and Human Services Secretary Javier Becerra unveiled the Biden administration's initial plan to make abortion as accessible as possible, despite the overturning of Roe and Casey by the Supreme Court last week, a decision that he called despicable. Now, his department also launched a new website to help people find abortion services. Amid rising food and energy prices, this administration seems to think abortions are what the American people want. Join me now to discuss this and what more we might expect to see in the post-Roe America is Mike Ferris. He is the president and CEO of Alliance Defending Freedom. Mike, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you, Tony. It's good to be with you. It's great to be with you, actually, for this occasion. It is. And I want to start before I kind of get into what the Biden administration has planned. I want to talk about what we have planned. Uh, because yeah. this is a moment to, to, to celebrate. I believe it's a, a moment God has given this country another opportunity to get this right. And this Sunday night, uh, we're partnering with ADF for a special event. Tell our viewers and listeners about it. Well, this uh, Sunday night, uh, you and I will have the privilege of hosting a celebration of this uh, landmark moment of the reversal of Roe versus Wade. Uh, we are uh, effectively in the year of Jubilee. Uh, if you start with the decision of Roe versus Wade is, Wade is day one. Then in the Bible, there's uh, seven years times seven. And then the 49th year going into the 50th year is the year of Jubilee. And that's where we are right now. And yeah. we, are, we are here to celebrate uh, this uh, monumental occasion. But we're also here to talk about what's next. Uh, from a legal perspective, from a legislative perspective, and a cultural perspective, and most of all, from a spiritual perspective, because all all of those areas are implicated by what we're doing. But we, we're, we're coming together to sing praises to God, to to thank Him, uh, to hear from some of the people involved in the in the litigation, uh, including my, some members of my own team, uh, and uh, we're just going to have a great time. So that's this Sunday night at 7 p.m. Eastern time. It'll be live streamed, so you can uh, you can participate in it. Uh, to find out more, go to uh, go to TonyPerkins.com. Uh, actually, I don't have what the the site. Uh, Mike, you have a site. Well, you can go to Cornerstone Chapel. It's going to be held at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. So CornerstoneChapel.net will be definitely will carry it. I'm sure there are uh, both ADF and. Uh, Family Research Council will have it as well, but but yeah. the one I know you can count on is the churches, uh, cornerstonechapel.net. Yeah. So, 
All right, so folks, you can tune in for that 7 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, it's it's going to be great. Not only Mike and I will be there, but we'll have other pro-life leaders that will be there as well, speaking into these various aspects. As, you know, Mike, I know you've gotten the same questions. People are saying, you know, what now? How do we respond to this? I think, again, I think God has given us another opportunity. I'm excited about the future, but I think you can tell by the way the left is responding, the Biden administration, they're doubling down on abortion. We have to double down on life. Exactly. This is a really important moment. I mean, there's there's great exhilaration. Last night I was sent a, a text of a, a screenshot of a, a website from an abortion clinic in Savannah, Georgia, announcing it's permanently closing. Uh, that's the kind of thing that you know tells us that dawn has come to America. This is really an exciting moment. Then you see other things going on that are like uh, what the, the uh, Becerra said. That's just, you know, um, it, it's just so facially wrong for him to say that this is anti-democratic. Uh, what's anti-democratic? What was anti-democratic was Roe versus Wade. Uh, right. Took away from the, the people of each state through their elected legislators the ability to make whatever policy they want on abortion by making up rights that don't exist in the Constitution. And when the court makes up rights that don't exist, then they are legislating it. So it's, it's double tyranny. It's well, taking away our, our, our process, the democratic process, and pretending that they were the super legislature of the day. That's, it's, it's just wrong on every count. And, and to get well, I, that I right, think- the court deserves a lot of praise. Yes, but, but I think the left needs to realize here, and I didn't think, I don't think they ever thought this day would come. But what the court gives, the court can take away because it created it out of thin air. It wasn't there. It doesn't have a constitutional foundation. And and so I I guess they thought that the trajectory of the court would forever be, you know, into the toward the left in the manufacturing of these rights. And I think you see their reaction to this is it has stunned them. And now they're trying to use the levers of government. I found it kind of actually humorous that uh, the president responded to this on Friday, said Roe will be on the ballot. Actually, Roe has been on the ballot for almost 49 years, and that's, that's how right. we got it. Exactly right. And, and um, as you said and really implied earlier that uh, most Americans want the federal government to do things that are within its jurisdiction. And this is not in its jurisdiction. This is a matter where... Uh, we can have a variety of policies. Of course, our goal, and I know that you share this goal, is for America to be a pro-life America. But we're not intending to impose that by fiat. Right. Or, but we, we intend to use the democratic process to make this country a pro-life America. And that means we're going to be winning hearts and minds along the way and, and getting people to look at it closely and to see, yes, that's an unborn child. That's, that's how America became pro-life in the first place. Uh, went from a, a, a position where generally abortion was allowed in many states up until quickening, which is uh, the stage where the mom actually just first feels the movement of the baby. But once the science was understood and they took a look at what's going on in the womb, America became pro-life. And that that uh, swept the nation in the 1850s. And so by the time of the 14th Amendment, we were a completely pro-life nation. And so uh, we, we want to return to that. But that achievement was was made by looking at the baby and that's what we need to get people to do look at what's going on in the woman see the person the personhood the humanity and and the inhumanity of the abortion industry and and providing real help to women 
who are facing uh, crisis situations. That's a part of our responsibility as well. We've been doing a great job of that as a movement. But we need to, you know, increase those efforts. And that's what we're going to be talking about Sunday night in the Celebrate Life. And folks, you can tune in for that. You either go to ADF site or uh, FRC or Cornerstone Chapel. Net. We're going to be there Sunday night, 7 p.m. Eastern. We're going to talk about the way forward. It is a spiritual response. It is a political response. It is a compassionate response. And, uh, and Mike, uh, we're, uh, we're honored to be able to join with you uh, in bringing that message to the nation this Sunday night. Thank you so much, Tony, and look forward to seeing you Sunday. All right. Sounds good. Folks, I hope you tune in for that as well. All right. Coming up, five states held their statewide primaries yesterday and two states held primary runoffs. What were the takeaways? And did the Dobbs decision energize Democrats as the left was saying it would do? Well, we're going to talk about that next year on Washington. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. You are tuned in to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. As I mentioned at the top of the program, we are broadcasting remotely from the International Religious Freedom Summit here in Washington, D.C. Earlier, we had the ambassador at large, former ambassador at large for International Religious Freedom, Sam Brownback, join us. And uh, so we're going to have some more discussion about uh, today's summit coming up in just a little bit. By the way, I plan to join us in Standing for Life at FRC and FRC Action's Pray, Vote, Stand Summit. It's going to be held this year, September 14th through the 16th at First Baptist Church in Atlanta. Registration is now open for that. You can find out more by going to TonyPerkins.com. Yesterday, five states held their statewide primaries, Colorado, Illinois, New York, Oklahoma, and Utah. And two states held primary runoffs as Mississippi 
South Carolina. Here to uh, to talk about uh, what the results have been so far and what we might be able to draw from the outcome is Brent Kylan, Vice President, FRC Action. Brent, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thanks, Tony. Good to be with you today. All right, just to set the stage here a little bit for this discussion, uh, looking at uh, the president's numbers right now, as of today, his approval rating is 38 percent, his disapproval rating is 57 percent. Most Democrats are running away from him, not to him when it comes to elections. More than, uh, we talked about this last week, but more than one million voters switched to the GOP uh, this year, in this past year which is a warning sign to Democrats, the media says. Now, coming out of the uh, Dobbs decision last Friday, Democrats, those on the left, have been saying, oh, this is going to be uh, a boom for the the Democrats because it's going to energize voters to go to the polls and vote for abortion. Did we see that yesterday? Uh, no, Tony, we, we absolutely did not. We, we had five more primaries with their uh, elections yesterday, two more runoffs. We're now over uh, – we, we've had over half the states have their primaries so far. And, uh, and to your point, yesterday was the first primary post-Dobbs. Um, Tony, uh, the trends for the, for the half the states that we've had primaries uh, have shown a, a decided advantage for Republican enthusiasm that did not change at all Yesterday, in, in those five states plus the states with runoffs, um, this trend is in red states, blue states. It really doesn't matter what part of the country it, it's it's in. Um, and if you look at the the data, we have some great analysis from uh, JMC Analytics, which has has crunched the numbers. Taking the primary turnout data this year, uh, how many voters turned out in, in Republican primaries supported Republican candidates versus how many in primaries supported Democrats, and compared that to previous midterms, like uh, 2018, if you look at that, uh, if you look at that comparison, the Republican Party turnout this, this year versus four years ago is up by 26 points. The overall Democrat turnout is down by four points. That's a huge difference. That's yeah. a huge swing. And again, Tony, it really doesn't matter. Uh, even yesterday, we had a, a diverse uh, lineup of states, and that trend held, held, held true through yesterday. Now, also, I noticed in yesterday's uh, primary election, in particular in Illinois, where the incumbent that had uh, taken out pro-life Dan Lipinski, a Democrat, uh, she beat him last election cycle. She was actually defeated in the primary yesterday. So progressive candidates did not do so well in yesterday's primary for Democrats. That's right, Tony. That's that's a great example. And Dan Lipinski really was one of the last, if not the last, you know, true um, pro-life Democrat. And they tried to to oust him from the left a couple times. They finally succeeded in doing so. But to your point, uh, in the primary yesterday, Illinois uh, just went through redistricting like like the rest of the country did. Uh, and in that in that primary, um, she she was not able to retain that seat. And also uh, the establishment GOP did not do so well either as the conservative candidate for governor there in the state of Iowa, backed by uh, former President Trump, actually uh, got the nod there from voters as well. 
That's right, Tony. And then uh, some other uh, races the establishment did not do too well in. You also look at the primary with uh, with Mary Miller and, and Rodney Davis. Uh, with uh, Mary Miller, the, the victor there, a lot of establishment folks had lined up behind Rodney Davis. Um, and, and she's been a champ on the life issue. So you see it playing out in that primary as well. Now, what do you see generally across the board as you've now had a chance to look at several primaries? You know, in times past, people have said, you know, look, you got to kind of tone down some of these issues. You know, don't talk so much about the life issue. Don't talk so much about, you know, the human sexuality, the whole LGBTQ agenda. My observation, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that the candidates that are prevailing are the ones that are taking the issues on head on. Tony, that's right. That's exactly right. This is not an issue uh, that we need to, to run away from. Um, we look at, at what got us here and, and, and the, uh, the Dobbs decision last Friday. It was following the science. It was being winsome, and it was making that case uh, boldly and winsoming, uh, winsomely uh, winning hearts and minds. We need to keep doing that, and this is a tremendous opportunity. Uh, Tony, uh, everybody is going to have to take a position on on this issue, and you look at yeah. the opposite side, um, most of the congressional Democrats, unfortunately, have supported legislation uh, that, that allows for abortion for any reason up through all nine months of pregnancy, even on a baby's birthday. That, uh, that type of legislation, uh, polling tells us, is only supported by about 15% of Americans. Um, yeah. So this is an issue we need, to, we need to step up and have a lot of opportunity on. It, it clearly lines of uh, separation in, in the country. We see half the states now, about 26 states, moving to protect life in the uh, wake of Roe. And then you've got about 23 aggressively pushing abortion. Clearly, the nation's divided. Brent, great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining with us. Folks, stick around. We're going to come back on the other side of the break to talk about Christians in Nigeria. What, what is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742 and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND 
to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. We are broadcasting live from the International Religious Freedom Summit here in Washington, D.C. It is uh, going on today and tomorrow. In fact, tomorrow at lunch, we'll be uh, presenting a new report. I'll talk about that tomorrow. But I mentioned it earlier with Ambassador Brownback, how we're seeing this rise of authoritarianism in Western governments. And how can we protect abroad uh, and promote abroad what we're not protecting here at home. So we're going to talk about that tomorrow. By the way, don't miss your opportunity to partner with FRC. We're coming up to the end of our fiscal year tomorrow, and uh, we need to finish the year strong, our fiscal year strong, so we can face the challenges and seize the opportunities that are ahead. I mean, we we got a lot of opportunities. Uh, folks are standing by to take your call, 800-225-4008, or you can visit Tony Perkins. Earlier today, a group of Senate Republicans led by Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri sent a letter to the U.S. Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, renewing their call for him to immediately reverse his decision last year to remove Nigeria's designation as a country of particular concern, a decision they called misguided. And I would echo that. I mean, I've during my time on the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, I've now rolled off that commission. I was term limited. Uh, but we spoke to the secretary, we spoke to the ambassador to Nigeria, uh, pleading with them to put this country back on the list of countries of particular concerns. The senators noted that Secretary Blinken and other State Department officials have made public statements condemning the recent bloodshed in Nigeria, yet still do nothing officially uh, in regards to the African country as a severe violator of religious freedom. With more and more attention being given to Nigeria, including at this week's International Religious Freedom Summit, might we see a reversal? Well, with me now to talk about this is Gloria Puldu from Nigeria. In fact, uh, Gloria is uh, is one who I've known. How long have we known each other, Gloria? Yeah, four years, because she has been working to help bring attention to Leah Sherbu, who was my, my uh, prisoner of conscience at USURF and one that I've been praying for almost every day uh, since she has been in captivity. And then also joining me is uh, Leela Gilbert, who just today 
uh, she's at the Family Research Council, our senior fellow for international religious freedom. She uh, and General Boykin released a new book, Heroic Faith, and a lot of this is actually focused on what's happening in Nigeria. So ladies, welcome to Washington Watch. So let me just start, uh, Gloria, with you uh, in terms of the, the, this. This I, I want to start first, no changes with Leah, uh, but I want to ask how her family's doing. Rebecca and Nathan are doing good. And uh, they're just hanging in there and trusting the Lord to fix the problem. Yeah. Uh, Leah, uh, let's talk, Leela, let's talk about um, Nigeria as a whole. You've been tracking that country very closely. I mean, we just had another attack. We've had, a, I mean, just they're, they're nonstop. Right. Give us the latest. Well, the latest was the most obvious. Uh, was on Pentecost Sunday when this church in Ogunjo. Yes, oh, yes. She. It was attacked by several terrorists, who some were disguised as parishioners. They killed forty-one people. It's a large Catholic church, and it was packed. And uh, it was just such a carnage that the bishop, who we we've spoken to him. It says it was unimaginable to see what happened. He got there in time to see before it was cleaned up. It was just violence. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is an area that hasn't seen a lot of violence. That's correct. It's an area, it was the first time in that area. It was Fulani Jihadi, and it was really a statement, in my opinion. Now, did they not travel uh, to, I mean, this is another part of the country. Right. So this was exporting the violence from uh, the, the, the South, That's right. moving it up to this area. So this, as you said, is a state. Yes, you know, um, Owo, it's in Ondo State, and it's in the southern part of the country. Boko Haram had been raging their um, terrorist activities in northern Nigeria. Right. Then in um, 2018, we had the Sinani Jihadis, who we believe are completely the same with Boko Haram. They started doing that in the north-central part of Nigeria, where you have the Plateau, Benue, uh, Taraba, Adamawa, and all those states. Then they moved now, since we've been talking and complaining, that they are moving forward since they are not being stopped. Now they have moved to the uh, southern part of Nigeria, and that's where Owo uh, is. It's in the southwestern part of Nigeria. And, and what is the government's response been? Well, um, so far, I think it's only the vice president that I saw visited that scene. And the usual rituals, it is sad. We are on top of the situation and we are going to do something about it. But this has been going on for years. We've been here speaking, you know. Right. Yes, we've been crying out that, look, this thing is happening in the not, uh, not central part, uh, not, not eastern part of Nigeria. It has moved to the north central part of Nigeria. It can engulf the entire Nigeria, a population of over 200 million people. And this is exactly right. what is happening. And, and Leela, to her point, 200 million people, Nigeria is the most populous African country. Um, it is experiencing this uh, violence that is cr that, that's creating refugees yeah. and, and potentially could be a, another genocidal um, event which could destabilize the entire African continent. That's absolutely right. In fact, 
I saw Congressman Frank Wolf just two days ago, and he said, we need to start calling this genocide. We need to say that's what we're dealing with. It's not just persecution. It's genocide. And he said before, it's an economic class. It's not just a large population. This right. is one of the most powerful, perhaps the most powerful country in Africa. But if, it, if this continues, and we know what comes in the wake of, yes. of war and terrorism, right. you then have famine, poverty, and you have spilling, this spilling over into Europe. Well, the refugee situation will be nightmarish. I mean, it's already a problem. But yes, you're absolutely right. And our country's been very remiss in not having foresight about this. I do not understand why the country of particular concern designation has changed. And I don't know anyone that does understand. That. Right. Well, I certainly don't. I mean, we, uh, we finally, after many years of recommending Nigeria as a country of particular concern, uh, the Trump administration took our recommendation at USERF and did just that. And, of course, just so our, our viewers, listeners understand, a country of particular concern, either you, the government engages in uh, the systematic, egregious, ongoing uh, violation of religious freedom, or they tolerate it. In this case, we're talking about the latter, where the Nigerian government isn't in particular doing these crimes, but they're... They're not allowing, they're not stopping it. They're allowing it to happen. And, you know, Tony, since um, 2020, when you first of all placed the Nigerian government or the Nigeria as a state on the watch list right. and then stepped it up to country of particular concern, we knew that the Nigerian government were beginning to feel, yes, the international communities are watching us. And so let's see how we can. So it helped. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, in Towards the end of 2021, it was removed. And as I speak to you today, the courage for these terrorists to be able to attack into the southern part of the country is because they have seen the removal of CPC as a thumbs up. So it's like the international community has turned its face away from what is happening in Nigeria. And let's continue. And so the Nigerian government really needs to be held responsible, and Nigeria needs to be placed back on that situation. So, so Gloria, you're saying that designation matters? Yes, it does. It does. Absolutely matters. If you look at the statistics, the crime rate and the atrocities have spiked up since after the removal. So what are Christians? What, what, what are they saying? What are they sensing right now in Nigeria as it pertains to America? We are absolutely disappointed because I'm just being very frank. Yeah, no, when the Nigerian uh, the name was removed from that list, it's like sending a signal to these terrorists. And we know that we have been the ones who have been paying a great price. It's the Christian communities that have been displaced. It's the Christian communities that Women and their girls are being raped by Clea Sharibu. She's just a face of those who are being taken on a daily basis. She was the only Christian and she was the one retained. All the other Muslim girls were released. And that's what keeps happening. If they abduct, they can release the others. But then these ones will remain there. And so for us, we need the world to know that they need to pay attention and they need to hold our government accountable. So we were absolutely disappointed 
the fact that Nigeria was removed on that list. What I observed from this in the, you know, the, the tragic events that keep occurring, that you think at some point this is going to shock the United States into some type of action. But what I do find remarkable is that in the midst of that, the Nigerian Christians are not walking away from their faith. They're being strengthened in their faith. They're continuing to gather in their churches, even though they become targets. We just heard from the bishop uh, recently that he said, don't think any of this will destroy our Christian faith. It makes us stronger. And it was so inspiring because he was on the scene there in less than 20 minutes to see what really happened. But he said it will never destroy the Nigerian Christians' faith. It will strengthen us, and we will continue to pray. And this is where we need to step in and pray. And we need to be humbled by this kind of faith. I, I can't imagine confronting that in one of our churches. Sure. You know, we are just grateful for the churches here because we know that we have received a lot of support from the churches praying. We have received a lot of people who are like you, backing us up and saying, we are standing with you. And that is keeping us going. So from America, we want to say thank you to the churches. Well, Gloria, that actually, I'm going to go ahead and ask this question because that sets it up. How can the churches here in the United States, you know, we have a lot of issues here in our own country right now under this administration, but we cannot neglect it that we have brothers and sisters in Christ who are being targeted for death simply because they follow Jesus Christ. So how can we be praying how can we be helping here in the United States? Yeah, just like I, you know, I mentioned, thank you for asking this one again. Um, the churches have been praying, and I know we just need more people to be aware of what is happening. More churches need to understand that, look, your brothers and sisters are going through this persecution. Nigeria is the worst place for a Christian to live. Yes. That's what yes. it's on record. Yeah. So every church on that. And so the American church needs to know that, look, your brothers are going through hell. You need to pray for them. You need to reach out to them in whatever position you find yourself. Do what you need to do to make sure that that terrorist act, that um, uh, agenda of, you know, ensuring that over 200 million secular state is being turned into an Islamic jihadist um, country must be stopped. And, and folks, I do want to agree, especially... You know, we've got some. We got a lot of pastors listening to our program. I, I really would encourage you to, to, to take, if it's just one Sunday a month, uh, or, or just a little bit in every Sunday, praying for the international community and putting Nigeria at the top of your list. Gloria is not exaggerating. Nigeria is probably the most dangerous place to be a Christian. When you look at the total number of attacks that are taking place. Clearly, we know China's bad. We know North Korea's bad place. But we're seeing this systematic targeting of Christians in Nigeria, and the government is turning a blind eye to it. So we need to be praying, standing with them, and advocating on their behalf with our government. Because as you just heard, Gloria testified that the CPC status, the country of particular concern status that uh, we put on them when I was at USERF, made a difference. Uh, Leela, before we run out of time, I, I want to give you a chance just to talk about your, your book, Heroes of the Faith, which talks a lot about Nigeria. It does. It, a lot is devoted to Nigeria because we've come to know and love many Nigerians that have spoken to us. But the book covers um, Asia, 
Africa, which is also a bloodbath in other areas as well, and it's getting worse, increasingly worse, yeah. with nobody in And then um, Middle East, we've looked at that closely. We, we have commentary, which I think is very useful from General Boykin, who gives us perspective as to how this belongs in the world picture which we haven't seen much in these kinds of books before. Right. I think it's a very good contribution. They also, I did a chapter on Afghanistan, too, because it happened right. just as we were catching. Yeah. The book is out? It'll be out in a less than a month. Okay. So it's, uh, it's available online. Okay. So, uh, in fact, I think we've got some links at TonyPerkins.com. Gloria, Leela, thank you for joining me today. Gloria, always great to see you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate your great work at FRC. And, and folks, I want to thank you for joining us. I do want to encourage you to tune in again tomorrow. We're going to be here again at the International Religious Freedom Summit here in Washington, D.C. Tomorrow, uh, I'll be uh, moderating a panel that we're doing at lunch discussing the rise of authoritarianism among Western governments. And we're going to have uh, some pastors from Canada is going to be joining us, one from the United States. We're going to have uh, a member of the Finnish Parliament. It's important for us to protect here at home what we're trying to promote and grow. So we're going to talk about that tomorrow here on Washington Watch. Again, check out the website, TonyBerkins.com. I want to remind you, go ahead and sign up for this year's Pray Vote Stand Summit, Atlanta, Georgia, September the 14th through the 16th at First Baptist Church of Atlanta. All that can be found at TonyBerkins.com. Until next time, keep standing the truth. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.